In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. The gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Good News for the City, the broadcast radio partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC. My name is Brian Bales, and I do have the great privilege of being your host for this show, whether you're listening to us right now live on the radio or you happen to catch us later on on podcast by going to goodnewsforthecity.com. No matter where you catch us, we're going to be talking about just that, the good news that is the gospel on the radio, on podcast, or maybe you might even catch me on a Sunday at my other job where I have the privilege of being the lead pastor at Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. Long-time listeners know it's not uncommon that we'll start this show pointing back to Scripture because Scripture is the communication of the truth of the gospel that is most often that what we connect with. And there's a, a letter to the people at Corinth that is penned by the Apostle Paul. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 to 10, this is what it says. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Our guest this week on the show exemplifies faithfulness to God's calling on his life, even when there are crushing circumstances, and in this particular case, crushing circumstances of a medical condition. Life and ministry as he had known it to be all of a sudden became highly uncertain. And in that moment, there was only one place he could go to, only one person he could cling to for hope, and that was God. And so today, as you're listening, I want you to know this, that no matter what you're going through, that this story, the story of Dr. Elliot Johnson, will encourage you in knowing that even in the darkest of times, God is present in our lives. He cares for us, and he has a plan, even if we don't see it at the time, a plan for his glory in our good. So, Dr. Johnson, thanks for joining us today. I'm excited about what we're going to hear from you today. It's a pleasure being on the show. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. So, one of the things we often do at this part of the show is we just let our listeners know, you know, a little bit about you if they've not met you in person or heard about you. And you're born and raised in the Hyde Park community of Chicago. We'll talk about whether or not you're still a Chicago Bears fan off uh, off the show. Let's see, right? He's covering his mouth. All right, I get it. That happens. Uh, you did graduate from Howard University School of Business with a BS in Management and Marketing and then an MBA in International Business. But you also hold a doctor degree in the art of 21st century urban ministry from McCormick Theological Seminary. You know, this show, many times, uh, Dr. Johnson, we have just a privilege to have so many gifted people to talk to us about the gospel. And I'm looking at your resume right now, and you are one of those gifted people. Sometimes I feel lazy when I look at resumes like this in their background, but 
You've worked as a city manager for four mayors. You've held senior executive sales and marketing positions. Uh, you served in elected offices. You were advisor to three presidential administrations, including the most recent Biden administration for the Office of Faith and Community Partnerships. As now, you also oversee operations of Family Industrial Medicine, Occupational Health Medical Services Corporation, and Hayward & Johnson, LLC, a business and nonprofit management consulting firm. That's a lot. And I didn't even mention some of the things that I could say about that. <laughs> but I imagine that one of the things you're most proud of is that you've been married for over 40 years to your wife, Hope. She's a retired chief virologist, and has you have two children who both also graduated from Howard University right here in the Washington metro area. So just again, thanks for being here. And as our listeners just heard, you have an unbelievably illustrious career and background that spans decades serving in differing sectors, whether it's church or whether it's business or government and even more. And um, when we look at that, I'm sure that there's been hope that has been struggled with from time to time. But in your background as well, there's probably been people, friends, mentors, pastors, spouses, whatever it might be, who've also showed you hope, who've helped you grow in Christ and succeed in many areas. So would you give us a little bit about what your personal story is of growing and learning and and how that intersects here with finding ourselves in the Washington metro area? Well, quite frankly, uh, I would say that You know, going to school in Washington, D.C. was truly a blessing, and I was there in the early 70s. And it's coming up in a time where, quite frankly, um, I guess it was called um, affirmative action Mm -hmm. back then, uh, trying to uh, work my my way through some of the prejudice that exists for young African-American men, if I could just be transparent. Sure. Uh, yeah, and um, especially there in the Chicago area and growing up and then going to Washington, I got an opportunity uh, to um, be with um, like an, a whole uh, another kind of like group of individuals that from all over the world that attended Howard, as well as DC being a mecca. Right? Sure. Uh, and, and back then, I think there was a, a, a big push for Ethiopians. Africa was really. Uh, a big uh, as a continent that was sending a lot of individuals to the the metropolitan DC area for education, not just mm-hmm. Howard, but yeah. you know all the other schools that are there, Georgetown, AU, sure, and on and on, and on, right. And so, what it allowed me to do is help me become more liberate myself from the oppression that I was struggling with as a young teenager mm-hmm. there. And um, what I liked about Howard is that um, you know their whole thing was about showing you how to be competitive in a predominantly white world, at least to business, because there weren't a whole lot of African-Americans in senior executive management levels in America and corporations. And Howard was, was at the forefront of trying to change all that. And so I came, I was in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. Which is what my career reflects. <laughs> right place at the right time. It, you know, I think all of us who have an, an understanding, maybe a little bit deeper of the truth about who God is and how he's in control, we understand that ultimately he's in charge and that he can do anything that he wants. But however, he, it's unique in this fact that he often uh, responds to our preparation. He often responds Amen. to what we do in that way and honors our work in that way. Because you have this statement that says, the chance for kingdom success, success always favors and it doesn't mean always gives, but always favors those individuals with prepared minds. Elaborate on that, if you would. 
So uh, in working with four different mayors, the last mayor I worked for was uh, the great late Harold Washington. He was the first African-American mayor of Chicago, and he was a strong man of God. He shared that with me. Mm. He said, the chance for your kingdom's success will only favor you with a prepared mind. And I believe your mind is prepared, but it is not in a position that you can really add value to the kingdom. And so that was when he encouraged me to leave the private, excuse me, public sector and enter into the private sector. Yes. Yes. And then doing that is when uh, that chance of favor I entered into Mm -hmm. is related to success in the kingdom because I wound up becoming the first uh, African-American senior executive in the beverage industry. And that particular industry was the beer, beer industry. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was interesting because prior to me coming on board, most of the senior executives there, uh, their qualifications were how where they delivered beer off of a beer truck for a distributor. Sure. <laughs> yeah, right. And so uh, there was a big shift saying, hey, we want some more educated minded people, kingdom minded people. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, the Miller Brewing Company was a Christian kind of oriented company. Mm-hmm. I know you're saying, wait a minute, beer, Christian, really? When you think about the Reformation, and back then they drank. Oh yeah, we could we could talk about Martin Luther a lot and a few people about that. Yeah, should we get into that conversation? But nonetheless, right? Yeah, I think one of the things you're doing. Go ahead. uh, I was able to kind of like begin my journey. uh, That was the footsteps ordered by God. Yes. Right. Yep. Well, that kingdom minded success. Yeah. So one of the things I think you're illustrating in, in many ways, Bowie, we could have all kinds of great conversations after that for sure. Even go, I didn't have any clue that we would go back to the Reformation in this conversation, but I'm kind of glad <laughs> we did. Um, but one of the things that you're illustrating is, is that in life, um, there is no really separation around sacred and secular. Anything right. that we're called to do is sacred because we're doing it for God. We're doing it for the kingdom. But there are sort of different sectors of our life. Like there's the there's the work sector. There's the family sector. There's the public sector. There's the private sector. And it seems as God has called you to kind of have – if you had four feet, have four feet in each area, but definitely the two feet in each area. Um, and you've certainly had some success using those gifts. What is, as you've found yourself in differing sectors, public sector, private sector – uh, working for you know nonprofits, working for profits, whatever it might be, what would you say is the common thread that you have discovered in order to thrive by God's definition of thriving, of course, and to live out the calling that He's placed on your life? I think because uh, you know, like most individuals uh, back my uh, my age growing up, I was a church kid, right? Yeah. So my parents. Uh, really instilled in me God's three theological virtues of charitable love, faith, and hope. Mm -hmm. And I believe that throughout time, I try to exude that in my word, action, and deed. And so in all of those places, all of those seasons of my life that placed me in those different environments, I try to always uh, project those theological virtues of charitable love, faith, and hope. Mm. Right. Yeah, that's a it's a great reminder for whoever's listening and all of us uh, who may get this later on about these are things that are connecting tissues that help us common threads, so to speak, as uh, we live out the life that God's called us to live out. Now, of course, you were living out the life that God's called you. And in one of the 
pretty common human conditions is that life doesn't always work out how we think it's going to work out, does it? Never. Uh, you know, Jesus is still on the throne. I mean, he's still in control, but it doesn't always work out that way. And so for you, you know, you're having success in, in just so many different areas. And then one day you're all of a sudden hit uh, with an unexpected medical diagnosis that really, really puts some breaks on, at least from an earthly perspective, the direction God had on you. But share it as you feel, whatever the level of comfortability you might have with our listeners about how this how this affected your life, what it impacted and changed about you and your ability to continue on doing what God has called you to do. So um, that is the season of my life that was most transformative. Mm. That was the season of my life where the Lord led me to enroll in the seminary, right? And uh, actually... Uh, I wasn't really clear what was going on. And I, I, it was God's steps for sure that were ordered because I don't consciously feel that I was moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. That was not my plan, right? That was God's plan. And I entered into the seminary. And uh, actually, and to, to, to let you know, it was a dual degree program, master's and doctorate program. Yeah. And so for the, and it's a six year initiative. So after the first three years in seminary, uh, I was really getting, if I can use the language, hang of it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh, uh, I came down with a discoid lupus disease. If anyone understands what lupus is, it's, there's two types, systemic, affects your systemic system, your organs, and discoid, it affects your joints. I had discoid, and it, it uh, was in my pelvis and my hips, and and uh, that ate them away, so it put me in a wheelchair after the first three years, and and dropped me. And I I'm six four, two thirty, so now I'm in a wheelchair at one twenty five. Wow! Right, half that size because I'm sitting down now. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I kept saying to the Lord, Lord, um, I know this is your will, but what did I do? You know, and to to earn this. And the Lord said, this is what you did to deserve this. This is a blessing for me. Yeah. You don't, I, I said, blessing? And the Lord said, yes. I said, but I, I can't walk. He said, listen, Elliot, I had to heal you. H-E-E-L. I mean, stop you in your tracks and steal you. So that's why you're in the wheelchair. So that I can really do the work of kingdom transformation and healing you as a sinner through the rest of your theological education here. Mm. That was a lot. I was no, like, that's I a lot. I did uh, a bit. I did a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Me and a recent friend were just talking about sickness and how God uh, uh, sometimes uses it, doesn't bring it in. Sometimes he even brings it in in some ways because he wants, sometimes he wants to heal us before he heals us. It's the same exactly. idea, right? That exactly. he wants to work on the inside and the heart and to transform us. That big seminary word that we both learned called sanctification, right? Like exactly. It's more like Jesus in that exactly. way. But I mean, yeah. you had no idea yeah. at the time how this condition is going to progress, right? You talked about your limitations in a wheelchair. You're going one way and, and at best, Everything that seemed to be in your control, which, you know, control is an illusion. God's still on the throne. He's sovereign. But we like to think we're in control. But there's right. moments like this that stop us in our tracks, and it shows we have little to no control, actually. Help help our listeners understand in this moment is how God wanted to heal you, to heal you, what God was doing and helped you overcome with his help and other people so that they might be able in this moment to begin to see that God's doing something maybe even greater in their life than they can realize. 
Amen. So, you know, the Lord basically said, you don't really need your legs in seminary because you're going to be doing a lot of reading and writing. <laughs> and I'm like, I understand that. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, but when I accepted my fate, which I thought was my fate, because, you know, I'm, I'm operating off of like what's going on in your life today. Uh, the, the next day I got a call from the Mayo Clinic saying, listen, in Rochester, Minnesota, saying, you know, we heard about your case. Uh, we'd love to be, you to be able to come here. We, we know we can get the lupus in remission. However, there's a doctor that we believe that can replace your core. I was like, my core? Really? So now uh, Hope is my wife. Yes, I've been married with her for 40 years, but I've been with her since high school, 1968. Mm-hmm. So she was like, listen, I didn't sign up to be your friend, you know, to the end, for the end to be now. We're going to go to Rochester. So we went. I had the operation. It took 15 hours. When the, oper- uh, when the operation was done, I remember, and the doctor said, because we normally do this surgical procedure with people that were born with this deformity, meaning younger people. So I went to the seminary when I was 59 years old. Okay. So they're saying, so you don't have a real good chance of making this. I was like, really? He was like, what does that mean? They said, well, you know, it's 70% chance you might not make it. I said, I'm banking on the 30 that God's going to pull me through this. That's right. And then, right. Yeah. Don't tell God the odds. He made them. You know, that's right. Nonetheless, I woke up and when I looked up, I saw first thing I saw was my wife being over me. And I said, well, if God, if I'm, if I'm dead, God bless me with an angel, look just like my wife. <laughs> but I saw the doctor standing next to her. The doctor says to me, listen, how do you feel? I said, listen, I'm not in pain anymore. I was in pain 24 hours of the day. Yes. I'm not in that pain. Anymore. And I don't think I had an operation. She says, I, well, you did. And it took 15 hours. And we had to tell you this. Seven hours in, you coded. I said, I coded. This is, yeah, but before we could respond, you came back. I said, okay, well, I know what time that is. He says, what are you talking about? I said, well, you know, that was the time where I had a, uh, another conversation with God around redemption and the justification of why of my purpose in life. And so the, the Lord decided that it was it's not my time yes. to be home as I still had kingdom work to do. And this is actually what I was branded the name Barnabas, the encourager. All right. And what I'm going to do for you is going to make you the spirit of encouragement. And um, so I redeem you, restore you, renew you, and resurrect you. And and in all that, it was a part of the healing process internally as it related to uh, kingdom transformation. Uh, And so that was then it was... The doctor said, well, listen, you haven't walked in three years. We're not sure this is going to work. You need to be patient. I was like, really? I said, hope, raise raise me up in this bed. I want my legs to dangle. Right. I haven't dangled in three years. She says, oh, Elliot, please don't do this. I've known you since we were 14. And uh, but the doctor says, what does that mean? I grabbed the IV pole. I pushed myself off the bed and stood up and yeah. tried to walk. He started screaming, you're a miracle. I says, uh, what was I uttering? When you were wheeling me down towards the ER and the anesthesia was kicking and he was, he's, you were talking something about the Lord was your shepherd and Amen. goodness and mercy will follow you. I said, well, the shepherd's goodness and mercy 
just followed me. He was like, what are you, some kind of minister? I said, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> and, you know, and thank you just so much for sharing with our audience this idea, because I don't think anyone who would meet you in person or even seeing you uh, via video or Zoom call or whatever it might be would even begin to imagine that was in your past, because this is just another example of the miraculous power of God. And I love your your reference to Psalm 23, because too often we read that at funerals. Psalm 23 is not a it's not a psalm for the dead. It's a psalm for right. the living, right? Living. And we need to know Correct. and to, to walk that. And so it sounds like you've learned an amazing amount about God and yourself through this ordeal. And could you take this next moment or two to talk about what you've learned, but also how this can apply to other people in their story, how God is working in their life? Absolutely. So we are human. And so we're going to be impacted by things that um, could, you know, offer what one would call discouragement or dismay. Mm-hmm. Right. I call them distractions myself because God is always ever present in your life. And it's through your faith and hope and the charitable love that God has poured into you to get you through these things. OK, now you may not come through in a way that you want to, but this is God's plan and God's will for you. And as long as you can remember can remain and stay an instrument of that and project that in your word, action, and deed, uh, the, 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 you will continue to honor and glorify God in your purpose in life. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, Oh, and thanks so much for sharing that. You know, in the last minute or two here, you're active again. You're working right here in the metro area. You, you actually partner with one of the sponsors of the show, One Heart DC. Uh, tell us a little bit for people like, what are you up to? What sort of fruit are you praying for? Um, and, and encourage them in that way? Well, well, working with One Heart DC, we're, we're, I'm really uh, working with them. And I have another partner. They're called Glue. They're a technology company. Yes. Uh, they are, I call them a theo-technological resource. Yes. Uh, a, listeners of yeah. our show we're, might be familiar with them. We talked about them when we were talking about some other things recently on one of our shows. Right. And so with Glue, what I'm trying to do is to help uh, seekers and believers who are, you know, wanting that relationship with God but aren't seeking it anymore by coming in on Sunday in the front door. That's right. But are seeking that relationship every day, Monday through Sunday. This technology platform can provide them with the ability to do that. And so what I'm trying to do is work with One Heart and also work with other organizations around the country We're trying to share that gospel message to communities through this data platform. Yes. And so, you know, it sounds like you're, you are certainly still very, very active, but also really got your finger on the pulse and like one of the trends that's happening right now in our culture, in our world, that people don't walk in the front door of the church anymore when they're seeking. Uh, it's actually usually very long in that process, but they they engage in seeking maybe through media, maybe through online and those sort of things. And again, the He Correct. Gets Us campaign that the Glue organization helps with that you also just mentioned right there is one of those ways you're engaging. And so uh, I, I encourage uh, people to just really take in today. And, and I just want to thank you, if I can, for a second, Dr. Johnson, of really being a Barnabas. Amen. Uh, you know, if we know that story from Scripture, uh, Barnabas was the encourager. He was the one that came along. And, and while we understand that God ultimately is our greatest encourager, the greatest one that comes alongside of us, 
every single one of us need encouragement from other people right here. And I hope our listeners today have been encouraged, you know, in the last 30 seconds or so uh, before we go, anything you would just want to encourage someone with maybe specifically in ways that you haven't already? You know, I would like to, to just offer this message to individuals who once again, um, sometimes allow doubt to be their encouragement. Yes. Please don't. Mm-hmm. Allow Jesus Christ to be the ones that encourage you, right? All the time, every day, and every night. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen and amen. And and thank you for being his conduit today uh, to allow Jesus to encourage others through you. If you've listened to this show and you're like, man, I would love to talk to Dr. Johnson. The good news is, is he wants to talk to you too. You amen. can email, you can email him at ElliotJohnson52, E-L-L. So there's two L's in Elliot there. Uh, Elliot Johnson, or is it Elliot T. Johnson? Am I getting that wrong? Elliot H. Johnson. Elliot H. Johnson at gmail.com. Uh, do that there. And we'll also have this in the show notes if you go to goodnewsforthecity.com afterwards to get oh, a little bit more specific. You know, you know, I'm sorry. It's elliotjohnson52 at gmail.com. Elliotjohnson52 at gmail.com. Yeah. We'll get it right one way or the other, but definitely yeah, be in I'm the sorry. show notes. And that's no worries. <laughs> you can send an email for us or wave at common at wava.com if you have more questions, or you can call me right here at the church, Christian Fellowship in Ashburn at 703-729-3900. Thanks for listening today. Thanks again, Dr. Johnson, for being here and being an encouragement and pointing us to this reality over and over again. That is Jesus, the very personification of good news. It is the gospel, him, that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.